Hello, I'm Harry. And hello, I'm Rory. And before we kick off this episode, we're going to share with you some news about a forthcoming event at One Up Cafe in Brighton. You can join us on Saturday, 16th of December, as we'll be doing a special screening of Edgar Wright's Stopped Pilgrim versus the world. It's snowy season, it's set in Canada, it's festive, it's appropriate. And following the screening, we'll also be doing a live episode with our hot slash cold takes <laughs> on the film and Scott Pilgrim in general. Plus, there'll be a Pac-Man tournament with a star prize for the high score champ. Yeah, as a Christmas star on the tree, it's Seven Evil Xmas is what I, I'm trying to shoehorn into the conversation. But <laughs> uh, it's the closest thing we can get, which wasn't Max Payne. So be thankful for it and hopefully <laughs> see you there. Get your tickets now at oneupcafe.co.uk forward slash events. Welcome back to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. And uh, I've got a nice steaming cup of hot coffee here to help us tackle the topic we're tackling tonight. And what is the game slash film slash docudrama, I think it's known as? (laughs) I think a factual drama. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, we are covering... BBC's The Game Changes, which was released in 2015, and it follows the story of Sam Hauser from Rockstar Games regarding the release of GTA San Andreas. And the reason we're talking about it today is because very recently the long-awaited teaser trailer for GTA 6 has finally leaked and then debuted. Yeah, you said um, follows... you, you're looking in the calendar and you're like, oh, they're going to release the GTA 6 trailer. We better do a pod. And then it got leaked like a day later. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where um, even I think this time last year or maybe it was earlier this year, but there was this big leak of material of GTA 6 in development, which... Um, Obviously, Rockstar were also not particularly happy about, but uh, hey-ho, they rolled with it, and it probably won't stop sales, because GTA V, the previous iteration, was released in 2013, so 10 years ago, and... I did not realise it was that long. And has been uh, released on various generations and iterations, and it's been kept alive ever since and been a massive money spinner, probably... A very few moments in the past 10 years where it hasn't been riding high in the games charts, I think, especially buoyed by GTA Online, uh, which has become a sort of a playground unto itself. A violet playground, which is what Jack Thompson got so angry about. <laughs> Him and his gods, they hate that sort of thing. Actually, God is quite a ventral, ventral fellow. I think God 
I'm just saying I think God would play Grand Theft Auto. He'd think, oh, neat. It's like real life. <laughs> it's like what I create. It's a busman's holiday. <laughs> yeah, maybe, um, I don't know, Rockstar will eventually do an Assassin's Creed and it'll be like GTA Nazareth nice. where you have to like hijack donkeys and shoot up barns with uh, slingshots. I thought you might say it's an Assassin's Creed but they've used up literally every single point in history. So we're going to heaven now. They're doing Bill and Ted's <laughs> bogus journey. You're up in heaven. We're breaking the necks of angels. Just don't try and think about how that can happen in heaven. Um, you know, they get, yeah, a lot gets swept under the carpet up in the. Anyway, we we've kind of we're trying to be as controversial as possible right at the top of this episode. <laughs> talking, take that, God. Take that, God. <laughs> What's more Christmassy than that? <laughs> um, hey, and so what is, apart from like the life of crime that you and I have clearly had, uh, what, is, <laughs> what is your experience with Grand Theft Auto as a franchise? Uh, well, I suppose we've had similar experiences, at least in the initial iterations. I remember when the first GTA came out and it was just you know, showing my age and all that kind of stuff. But for those who don't know, the GTA franchise started as like a top-down 2D driving slash shooting uh, gang warfare Corey, style game. What are two dimensions? <laughs> <laughs> well, think of a piece of paper. Right. I've got, <laughs> That's I've two got, dimensions. I've got now Sam Neill from Event Horizon like folding it in half and sticking a pencil through it. Um <laughs> Yeah, anyway, yes, uh, so, um, but still, even then when it was released, um, lots of controversy because you weren't collecting mushrooms or rings or other things you collect in, I don't know, Leisure Suit Larry? What does he collect? I don't know. <laughs> um, but you were, you were killing people, Rory, and people never get shot in video games. <laughs> well, I think the issue with Grand Theft Auto, the reason it became a bit of a poor celeb, or Bête Noire, or something French, um, was because I guess there had been lots of killing games, but usually you were killing demons, or zombies, or Nazis. And I think this got a little bit caught up in the same... Those mythological figures, the, de the demons <laughs> and Nazis. Um, I, think, I think GTA got very much swept up in the same... Uh, violent video game Ferrari that say Carmageddon, uh, which has been very much forgotten, but that was controversial because that was literally just mowing down lots of people and getting points for it in uh, very much a Death Race 2000 styly. Um, but GTA was very much you are a criminal, and the actions that you do mean that you're getting pursued by cops and. While there are ways to, I suppose, play the game to a certain extent where you're causing as little trouble as possible, inevitably you do have to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the law at points. Um, so it's a game which uh, glorifies slash endorses slash um, gives you the opportunity to maybe kill policemen or run over pedestrians or beat up uh, women and... Do all sorts of nasty, uh, terrible things, which um, you really shouldn't in real life. Uh, 
and you've just reminded me I, i'm not so the latest game i played is gta 4 which gosh if you were talking about gta 5 being a long time ago just i don't even think want to think about gta 4 i but, think that was 2008 okie dokie um best time of my life <laughs> no but seriously <laughs> Um, you've reminded me that there's like no ch- there's no children in any GTA game up until that point. I'm assuming there's been no kids since because I think that's still the line, isn't it? It's it's running over children um, for double points. I love Death Race <laughs> 2000. You, I, you, it's on Prime. You need to check it out. It's great. But despite the fact that it had quite sort of basic graphics, it it, it did become quite controversial. I think it came out, was the original sort of 96 or 7 or something? Sounds right. Um, I don't, I did play it a little bit, I think uh, possibly even at school when we were doing, (laughs) taking over the computer labs and um, playing like LAN parties and that kind of stuff. We would usually play Quake 2 and Worms, um, but GTA... I think sort of ended up in um, oh, rotation did you, as did well. Did you have a cool teacher? Did you, did uh, you wear like red sunglasses? You know, red coloured sunglasses, and I think it was, <laughs> I think it was under the jurisdiction of the IT department, and they were like, as long as it's not going to crash the computers and you're know, installing viral software or whatever, they were like cool with whatever people did because they were like one of us, one of us, gather the nerds. Um, so. I remember playing that a little bit, but I guess the one that I played the most was GTA 2, which you got on Dreamcast. Yep. I don't think I was old enough. Um, And so when I discovered that my Dreamcast copy didn't have the promised map inside to help me... There was no in-game map. There was a paper map you could follow. I kind of had to return to the scene of the crime and sort of convince the staff at Electronics Boutique that there should be a map in there. And they said, no, there's no map. And then they ended up calling. They called somebody. They called, I, I guess, I don't think they just called Rockstar or something, but they confirmed that, yes, a map should have been included. So they sent me one, which was nice. Mm. It wasn't as embarrassing as the time I returned a Duke Nukem strategy guide back to Electronics Boutique because it didn't say correctly where the babes were. <laughs> and I was like, I thought like, this this manual's wrong. It's 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 official. And it was clearly built on an earlier version of the game. It was Duke Nukem Zero Hour for the N sixty four. But it was, I, had, I had to basically come out and say, it's telling me there's babes in places they're not they're not there. <laughs> Where are all the babes? Where are the babes. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I mean. I, I loved Grand Theft Auto 2, but it was still rock hard, even with a map, because all of the cities looked the same, and you know, it's just that the top-down perspective was quite limiting, so it's perhaps no surprise that Grand Theft Auto 3 comes along and blows everyone's minds inside out. But I don't think I've actually played a 3D Grand Theft Auto game um, I know that there was the recent remastered re-release of GTA 3, Vice City, and San Andreas, but that was uh, reportedly just ridden with bugs and a lot of people not particularly fond of um, the remastering or lack thereof of those titles. Um, 
So I haven't really had much, um, you know, cause to to go back necessarily. You have reminded me. I have played two other two D iterations. They actually released the Grand Theft Auto, I think, on the Game Boy Color, and mm. as you can imagine, extremely bare bones. Like you thought the pixel people in the original games were bad, but I, I don't even think these registered as pixels. I don't know, <laughs> but you know, grasping at straws. I had a good time, and then I think there it was, was like violent snake. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> imagine snake with like blood. It'd be awesome. But I, there was also a Chinatown Wars game. I can't remember if that was on the DS or the Advance. Um, mm. I remember that being pretty decent. But again, just not being able to see that far in front of you when you're driving at speed never just seemed like a really bad idea. <laughs> um, and so the versions I played, I always felt wasn't quite getting enough bang for my buck. Mm. But Yeah, I mean, I, GTA 4... That passed me by. I did go over to a friend's place when GTA V came out and like watched the first hour and a half or, or couple hours of the game. Um, but uh, I never played it myself. And I did enjoy Red Dead Redemption just in terms of Rockstar, you know, open world sandboxy titles. Uh, I didn't play Red Dead Redemption 2. But I think when I watched GTA V in action, I was a bit like... And I sort of feel this way in general. It's like, it's. I know it's like holding a twisted mirror up to America. And, you know, the film we'll talk about also talks a lot about how as British developers and British game makers, but it's their take on America as a sort of satire and an outsider view of American culture and sort of regurgitating, you know, what we... Uh, in the UK, perhaps consume um, in terms of their version of of America, but I just sort of found it like, oh, it's you know, you're making all these sort of jabs about I don't know celebrity culture or you know sets and violence and people on Instagram or whatever, and it's just like I'm not sure I want to you know if I want sort of escapist entertainment, I don't want to be in this world which is like dripping with like really cynical um uh, you know approaches to like oh isn't sort of modern culture so warped and empty and aren't isn't everyone just like terrible human beings and i just like i don't know if i want to be in that world for more than like five minutes (laughs) yeah um this week speaking of scotland uh, or Scottish developers or something. I um, A game I downloaded this week for the Nintendo Switch is A Highland Song. And that is just a 2D game where you get lost in the Highlands. You have a destination. You're a runaway 15-year-old girl. Um, but it's mostly beautiful landscapes, beautiful Highland music. I've yet to get to my destination. <laughs> You're meant to get there within seven days. And, and now just a title card comes up. Um at the start of every morning saying several days <laughs> after you're supposed <laughs> to be there but it's got authentic scottish language not only because she, when she sprains her wrist she'll say something like arse knuckles but she also talks about like crunchies and curly whirlies and things and i'm just like i an iron brew uh reference is imminent i'll be very <laughs> impressed if they get away with it but yeah that to me now is my form of escapism 
and while the Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer has got a huge um, hype, and, you know, I will say it's one of the most technically impressive bits of video game graphics I've seen, you know. It, it absolutely looks like 13 years have been spent trying to just make it the most amazing world possible. Um, until I see any gameplay, which I can't imagine be that much different from the other Grand Theft Auto games, in terms of maybe not in on a practical sense, but in terms of what you're doing, like doing crimes, whatever. Um, yeah, until then, I can't be terribly enthused by it. Um, but you and know, did it's... you enjoy GTA Four? Yeah, here's the thing: because I... you played it quite a lot. Yeah, GTA Four consumed my life, and I don't know why I picked up Five. Um, I had GTA Four on the Xbox 360, and I think by the time GTA Five came out on the Xbox 360, I I just moved on. Or I, I literally think there was just too much going on in my life. And even now, it feels even worse. So I, I think there's also certain criticisms towards the storylines. I think perhaps, again, so this is me, this is like a 13, 13-year-old memories and things. But I think I just read, read one or two reviews, which just felt like these people were scumbags, but not even in an endearing way. I could be totally wrong. Anyone's actually played a beast, so I'm saying like, oh, Harry, you know, no, I loved these characters. But, um, yeah, I felt like GTA 4 was not only a great setting, being Liberty Island slash New York, had a great sort of immigrant story uh, with it, and it probably helps that that was the first 3D Grand Theft Auto I played. Uh, my only problem was, because of this, I had no real... I, I didn't know for a few hours... That you wouldn't get a wanted level for running red, you know, for, for running red lights. So basically, I spent a good solid chunk of my first evening just crawling through the suburbs of uh, Liberty <laughs> City, stopping at every red light, and then I went crazy. I went, um, yeah, lots of <laughs> lots of massacres and gun battles and. I was thinking about my time of Grand Theft Auto 4, and I remember the helicopters being quite difficult to control, but I found that very authentic. They were like, I could imagine, this is how difficult a helicopter is to fly, he says, like twiddling two plastic mushrooms under his thumbs. Um, but still, great memories. Um, I just, yeah, at this time of my life, I think I want to play just nice indie games which might be about grief if i think about it too hard <laughs> the only way we're gonna get through this is by sticking together being a team trust trust Well, I think with um, GTA 6, uh, my interest is semi-peaked. I think just you know from the glimpses of the of the teaser trailer that it, it's possibly like a lovers and the lamb sort of story. Yeah, at least that's what the hint seems to be, and I think that's just something potentially a bit different, a bit interesting. Um, you know, remains to be seen how Rockstar approach 
that and whether that will offset maybe just the kind of sheer level of um you know debauchery mm. and uh degenerate behavior that oh, uh so I'll have to old. <laughs> so fellow kids i think it's i don't more... mind doing that stuff i think it's just more like being surrounded uh, by that, I mean, I mean, um, to 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 hopefully defend ourselves. I think there is a degree of we've seen it all before now. So, yeah, you know, there's the sh- the shock factor will get you so far. What was kind of transgressive back in 2013 or in the early 2000s doesn't seem. Sometimes it's been transgressive for a reason. Sometimes things have been transgressive just to shock, but that's it, you know, and. Yeah, I mean, I was we were watching South Park in our teens, and and it's still going. I haven't watched it in a long time, but there's also like this is a time where you know you put away your toys and talk talk about put I away don't know, put Super away your Mario movies, yeah, put away your <laughs> sex mini games and shooting priests and yeah, grow up and watch the Sonic the Hedgehog movie yeah. instead, like we do. <laughs> Um, just trying to think if there's anything more to say about the games. I don't think so. I mean, I guess this film or docudrama talks a lot about the controversy. We talked about the games, but it's the the reputation, the controversy, and the footprint and the ripple effect that games like Grand Theft Auto um, created. Like pebbles. Mm. Pebbles into a pond full of guns. <laughs> um yeah so this uh factual drama the game changes uh was part of a bbc season called make it digital so it has this sort of air of um edutainment i suppose surrounding it um but it was released in 2015 but not without a certain degree of controversy in fact before it came out i think maybe a year or so before uh rockstar actually uh filed a lawsuit against the bbc claiming trademark infringement uh their official statement was take two interactive has filed suit against the bbc for trademark infringement based on the movie currently titled Game Changer, as it was known then, as it relates to Rockstar Games' Grand Theft Auto video game series. While holders of the trademarks reference of the film title and its promotion, Rockstar Games has had no involvement with this project. Our goal is to ensure that our trademarks are not misused in the BBC's pursuit of an unofficial depiction of purported events related to Rockstar Games. We have attempted multiple times to resolve this matter with the BBC without any meaningful resolution. It is our obligation to protect our intellectual property, and unfortunately, in this case, litigation was necessary. Good grief. Uh, BBC said that they do not comment on legal matters. Uh, I think in the end, the lawsuit was dismissed. BBC kind of occupies, as a public broadcaster, a bit of a sort of, I guess, like nebulous ground in that it can use sort of licenses and trademarks and copyrights and even, you know, library of music that other broadcasters or producers... Um, maybe you have to cough up more dough for. And I guess if they're sort of making this as a factual drama, um, I guess anything was fair game. And you can see in the finished product just how many Rockstar and Grand Theft Auto logos are plastered 
absolutely everywhere at all times. There's almost not a scene where a Rockstar games maker is not wearing mm. a Rockstar or Grand Theft Auto t-shirt. <laughs> Makes you wonder if that's what the officers are actually like. I don't know. I'm a su- don't get high on your own supply. I'm just surprised that like Take Two's like response to this was so long. I thought it would be just like "fuck you, you fucking fucks." Well, you say that, but when the film was actually eventually broadcast, Rockstar's official Twitter feed tweeted, "This new Renter Ghost isn't as good as I remember." And then followed up at BBC with, was Basil Brush busy? What exactly is this random made-up bollocks? They're so good at satire, aren't they? I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait for that Grand Theft Auto with, with satire that cutting. What a sick burn. Wow, yeah. Off to the um, hospital with that six bur- <laughs> sick burn. Uh, but it's not, I suppose, Rockstar's first encounter with i say hollywood but obviously this is bbc um and the game changers does have all this commentary about gta and film and obviously um grand theft auto games have quite a uh, a lot of famous hollywood actors appearing in voice roles or even playing themselves or you know enlisting the services of celebrities um quite heavily yeah. I remember Grand Theft Auto. If you drove to a theatre in Grand Theft Auto 4, you got Rick, uh, Ricky Gervais doing stand-up, like mo-capped, and like, wow, this really dates the game. <laughs> and he's still doing it now, but there's just... He's a different... I think his skin got thinner with every passing year, did old Ricky Gervais. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, I think sometime uh, around about this time last year... Uh, there was a report which came out that apparently Rockstar Games turned down a GTA movie, which would have been directed by Tony Scott, uh, director of Top Gun, amongst others, and would have starred Eminem. Interesting. Imagine that. You know what? <laughs> I don't know why that happened, why the M&M element changed my mind, but I, when you're describing a GTA film, it encounters a problem a lot of video game movies face because the source material is so obviously influenced by other films. They, they cite, when we're talking about San Andreas and this film, the Boys in the Hood and stuff like that. Um, but for some reason, introducing Eminem, I thought, well, I'll, I'll see a GTA movie of Eminem, and I'm not even that big of a fan it's like interesting yeah not even seen eight mile rory not even seen eight mile (laughs) i i think it yeah i think it would have um piqued a lot of people's interest if that were the case they should have done Um, like a film with eminem and like 50 cent and just gone full tilt expendables (laughs) but with just like rap artists yeah like uh the def jam vendetta video games where it's all the you know, rap icons beating each other up. The early two thousands were very game. strange. <laughs> and you know, all those fifty cent blood in the sand video games. Oh my and, god, yeah, and all that stuff. Um, but yes, this was rep- reportedly around about the time that GTA three had just come out, um, and um, Sam Hauser just said not interested. So there we go. That's uh, that's that story. Um, well, when one door closes, another opens. <laughs> <laughs> and that door opens to the Game Changers. 
We sold a million units in one day. The British genius behind the most lucrative video game ever. This is beyond what film can do. We're going to create the first truly adaptable hero. Versus the man on a moral mission. His recent revelations demonstrate what little regard these Brits have for the welfare of our children. The battle over Grand Theft Auto, the fastest selling entertainment title in history. Daniel Radcliffe, Bill Paxton, The Game Changers on BBC Two and BBC Two HD. So, a synopsis for The Game Changers. This comes from BBC's official website. It says this program is not currently available on BBC iPlayer. Uh, indeed, in order to watch it, it's very hard to come by. We might have engaged in Grand Theft Video. <laughs> we might actually just have imagined it together. So, um, yeah, we just, if, you, if it sounds like we've watched it, we absolutely haven't. We just, um, it's the first, the G, uh, a first on Games on Film. We are just imagining what this would have been like. I pay my license fee. Yeah, I do. I'm, in, I'm entitled to BBC content whenever I want. Yeah. Dynamit. Okay, so the synopsis reads. This 90-minute factual drama goes behind the scenes of the hit video game Grand Theft Auto, arguably the greatest British coding success since Bletchley Park. (laughs) Amazing! We're back to the Nazis again. (laughs) In autumn 2013, the game's latest iteration, GTA V, earned $1 billion in just three days, becoming the fastest-selling entertainment product in history. But this drama goes back to 2002 to tell the story of a three-year period of intense controversy in the history of this iconic game's development. It happened when two passionate men on either side of a high-stakes cultural divide clashed. This conflict between the creative genius behind the game and a self-styled crusader for American morality escalated into a fight for the hearts, minds, and freedoms of an entire gaming generation. The Game Changers stars Daniel Radcliffe and Bill Patston. It is intended for an adult audience and is part of the BBC's Make It Digital season. It is unauthorised by the producers of Grand Theft Auto. Hmm. Yeah, that's so. I mean, yes, it, it was odd how it... I, it's the fact when we do a lot of synopses, we do the backs of the box, but this is a bit different, isn't it? Because um, this is providing a lot of context... I guess it's because it's more of a documentary than a drama. I don't know. This ain't your X versus Sever ballistic anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I I think in many respects it is taking its cues from the social network or something along those lines. Oh, yes. uh, Where it is, let's look at the story about a hot digital product, a lot of court cases, um... A lot of legal action. Um, but does it live up to David Finch's um, Facebook saga? No. <laughs> sorry, to, <laughs> sorry to, like, ruin all sense of mystery. Uh, no. Um, just because... But, like, crucially... I'm not really revealing my hand yet, but it's crucially because I feel that the social network is, like the one to beat when it comes to this kind of a story in this kind of era it's tech bros doing stuff uh and i can't remember it's like is 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 the social network set in the late 90s or the early 2000s i forget when facebook happened there must have been like 
Oh, I can't remember. It was sort of on the cusp of the millennium because I was, I think Facebook was introduced, what, 2003, maybe 2002. Again, when we, when you get the souls, listeners. (laughs) Uh, I think it was during my first year or second year at university, because back then you could only register for Facebook if you were part of the university. Yeah. But uh, crucially, social network, and I'm sure this, the game changes, plays a bit fast and loose with the facts. I think I've said on this podcast before how I'm always quite suspicious of documentaries because they always have to have an angle and they don't, um, you know, they they will sometimes make connections where perhaps there weren't any. They, they're, they're loathe to give shades of grey to some people. And you might perhaps think, a docudrama is even even worse case of that, perhaps. But yeah, now now you're saying that it's part of like the open university and it's sort of semi-educational. I get that vibe too. But uh, tell me, who is behind this and who's <laughs> starring in it, Rory? Uh, so director is Owen Harris, who is probably most familiar to people for his work on Black Mirror, having directed Be Right Back, Striking Vipers, and maybe most notably San Junipero, um, which I guess is one of the highest regarded mm. episodes of Black Mirror. Bizarrely, that's the last Black Mirror episode I watched. And it was not like it turned me off. It was so great that my brain did not compute wanting to watch any more. And I think it's been like three, two or three seasons since then. Well, we watched Bandersnatch. Oh, we did for the podcast. podcast. Okay, that semi-counts. I mean, it is Black Mirror. But for the rest of the episodes, it's like, I've seen plenty now. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. Um, He also directed Holy Flying Circus, which I I quite enjoyed. It was a... Oh, yeah. Is that another documentary? That take on Monty Python, um, sort of in the style of Monty Python, I think surrounding the release of life of brian mm. um and sort of i thought i think that was very entertaining um and he directed the nicholas holt film kill your friends yeah i know well. someone who loved the book and they felt that the film sort of pulled its punches or, or something because the book okay. is about like the music industry and everyone being a real like c-u-n-t <laughs> to people <laughs> and the film is is less that but I, again i've not seen it i'm afraid i was again turned off right. my friends uh, recommendation but i did not yeah i've seen those black mirror episodes and so those came after this but you can sort of see why he went on that trajectory a bit uh, the, the director and, yeah. and who's who's this dan daniel radcliffe i've um <laughs> seen so much about i like his beard i'm jealous of his beard i still can't grow it um i hope it's real because that would genuinely make me think even better of him. <laughs> I think it possibly is. I think he is a, a hairy boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he is. He is a very hairy boy. And I think he was obviously desperate to shake his uh, Harry Potter image. Um, I don't yes, think we've had him on the podcast. that correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Harry Potter. I've read some book covers. I can... <laughs> uh, so... I was never a Harry Potter fan. That's not me trying to be cool. I've been on the Harry Potter studio tour, which I think is like the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life because it shows you the like wands. And if there's literally somebody there day in, day out making wands, and I thought, that's a job. That is a job. 
Um, <laughs> but then turns out J.K. Rowling's a big transphobe, and so I don't. I'm not intending to go there anytime soon. But luckily, Daniel Radcliffe and I think most of the cast of Harry Potter have shown to be just absolutely wonderful human beings. And I think Daniel Radcliffe has done like the textbook trajectory of a post-fame career. You get people like Mark Hamill who are like famous now. Um, for other things other than Star Wars. He's he's always inextricably linked to Star Wars, but I think he was like 10, 15, 20 years even in the doldrums until he became a just an amazing... Uh, Wing Commander games. <laughs> oh, forgot about We're that. We're not talking doldrums. No, no, yes. no, no. Sorry, I forgive me, Mark. Forgive me. Um, but Daniel Radcliffe, and you could say this about Robert Patterson as well, they, they sort of took their um, fame and said, okay, I've got all the money I'm going to ever need, or I've, I've, I'm famous, I'm going to do whatever I want, and I want weird. And I just, I think the first time I saw him kind of out of character was like QI, the panel show, and he was so game for everything, and he's such a delightful person. But this period, with the big bushy beard, and also um, the woman in black was like his first post pocker film really which was rated 12 and so all the potheads went to see it and they um well they came out changed because <laughs> <laughs> it seems to me that this this film we're talking about delves into ratings of things maybe it, they misrated the women in black um but like yeah so this period i don't think he's quite left his harry potter aura he still seemed like a, like the boy who lived but definitely now, I will go to a da- anything Daniel Radcliffe is in because I know I'm going to get a committed and oftentimes extremely daft performance. I mean, goes about saying mm. one of the high points perhaps in his own career, if he was asked about it, it would probably be playing uh, a farting corpse who Paul Dano becomes best friends with in Swiss Army Man. Yeah, and I, I recently enjoyed him in uh, The Lost City. Um, the Sandra Bullock Channing Tatum yes. film where he plays like a I've not seen that but he just he's just playing like a like a, a shit basically <laughs> but he he does that pretty well um, and yeah I I think he is a very sort of likable uh, presence and um, I will say I I don't think this film sort of helps any of its cast. Um, in terms of its script and dialogue um and i don't think he necessarily gives the best performance of his career here but i don't think anyone can really do a lot with what is essentially a script that feels like i don't know a wikipedia article with more f-bombs that that, that is the the body blow the grievous wound to this sort of thing isn't it it just reads like wikipedia and Ridley, ridley scott when he's making Napoleon, is like, don't check Wikipedia. Actually, he's like, <laughs> I don't give a fuck if you if you um, read Wikipedia. You might as well read the the, the uh, Wikipedia entry for Napoleon Dynamite for as for, for as much sense. My oh, that makes it. Matt now makes a lot of sense. I mean, <laughs> um, citation needed, very much needed. Um, with uh, yeah, um, so anyway. Daniel Radcliffe, he plays Sam Hauser, who's one of the founders of Rockstar. Um, and I think he has a brother in this, Dan, uh, as well. Well, again, um, I think 
<laughs> talking about expositionary dialogue, there's like one of the first scenes together is when I think they're having a smoke and he says, you're my little brother or something like that. Yeah, he I, says like, come on, little brother. Yeah, I actually but, wrote it down. <laughs> but yeah, I, think, I don't think mm. I've ever called you, hello, big brother. <laughs> well, maybe the next family get together, we should only refer to each other as our, you know, how we are related to each other. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, exposition-y clunkiness. Yeah, uh, it, I feel I feel Radcliffe actually gets better towards. I mean, skipping kind of ahead, I think he's a lot better at this point, playing like an effing and blinding whiny bitch when things are going really <laughs> wrong. Like yeah, I think at the start when he's yeah at the start everything he just seems really false and fake, and you, you wonder if that's like a character choice. There's, there's a scene where they're down in like gangland trying to fit in terribly but yeah I, I feel it is more like a directing and dialogue issue um when perhaps more nuance is required so yeah it's probably easier to play someone really pissed off yeah um but the reason he's pissed off is because uh the sort of counterpart i suppose the other side of the battle is uh the um, lawyer Jack Thompson, who made his name by um, basically waging war against obscene content. He was sort of like the Mary Whitehouse, uh, the American Mary Whitehouse of the, um, I guess, 90s and 2000s. Um, so he sort of got a rap album banned. He got Howard Stern thrown off the air. Uh, and he waged war particularly against video games, particularly uh, what he would call murder simulators. Uh, and so games like Mortal Kombat and uh, other Rockstar titles like Manhunt and Bully would um, be flashpoints for him to make outrageous quotes about, um, you know, how this harms children. Um, but GTA became, um, I guess the big drama and that's what this film um purports to portray and in the film jack thompson is portrayed by none other than the much missed bill paxton i actually um have just googled did somebody call the dinkster <laughs> <laughs> which is how he's introduced he introduces himself in spy kids 3 there's 140 results on on the videos alone on google <laughs> His legacy lives on. Yeah, there's only eight, 140 eight-second videos where he sort of... Like, he flies in, I think, using his cowboy boots. But anyway... Maybe he's got an umbrella. I, I, can't, I can't remember. remember. But I'm sure we talked about Bill Paxton then. He's, he's a bit of a legend and he'd gone far too soon. Um, and perhaps it was that re for that reason why I found myself siding with Jack Thompson's character far more than I expected. But maybe it's because I've become just a little bit more right wing and a little bit more conservative as I've got older. But, you know, it, <laughs> but they really missed an opportunity for him at the end of the film to go game over, man. Game over. <laughs> it's interesting. Amazing. But it's, interest it's interesting casting because it does sort of go a little against type because, I mean, particularly early on in his career, you'd sort of get Bill Paxton to sort of, like, fly off the handle, be a bit of a punk, 
sort of gurn and comic relief and I don't know, all this sort of stuff, you know, whether it was, um, you know, like sort of small roles in like The Terminator or uh, in Aliens, most notably. I think he um, is one of those... Predator 2. He was one of those um, characters, one of those actors who got the triumvirate of having been killed by a Terminator, uh, a Predator and an Alien from Aliens. Mm. And by now they've just stopped, they've not stopped making those films. So it's a much... It's a much less higher regard now. I'm just saying. Sorry, Bill. It's it is the sci-fi equivalent of like the egot yeah. or, or something. Um, I'm not sure who else has has claimed a what's that? I think a Lance Henriksen. P a what was the other one? T Ada. a pat a pat a patty or a tap <laughs> a tap. Yeah, tapped on the shoulder by a predator. Anyway. Is there anyone are there anyone else in this that I should know? I mean there are, there are people there are people in this film sort of saying stuff and they're like, oh they must be actors. <laughs> I guess the only uh other you know, more recognizable uh actor or more familiar perhaps is Joe Dempsey, who plays Jamie. He was definitely something I recognised from somewhere. And considering who... me, that's that's quite clever. Uh, so Jamie, I, I don't know which person in Rockstar he is meant to be or if it's made up or whatever, but he's sort of kind of like their fitzer. He's responsible for a lot of meetings and sort of relations with other development teams in different parts of the country or even back in Edinburgh. Um, but he's um, uh, Joe Dempsey is maybe best known originally for Skins. And then since then, he was in Game of Thrones as oh, nice. well. Okay. So if he was, he was brandishing a sword, I probably would have recognised him. He was the one who, um, I think, went... He, he started rowing a boat, I think, at the end of season one or two. Oh, him. And then, like, did not reappear <laughs> until the final season. <laughs> oh, you know what? I miss, I miss that cognitive dissonance of Game of Thrones, where it was probably the best thing you were on telly at the time, but also really shit. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like no no it's definitely good <laughs> when it hadn't been for years uh but i love it and apparently house of the dragon is really good i'm not just saying that because i know somebody who works on it <laughs> <laughs> the new hotly anticipated grand theft auto is being released today and fans are revved up and gearing up to buy it Set in 1980s Miami, Vice City lets you be a gangster in your own home and promises to be as colorful and controversial as its predecessors. Yes, after the uh, seminal Grand Theft Auto 3, the question game watchers are asking is can Sam Houses Rockstar Games pull off making the most successful game ever twice in the space of one year? But yes, I, I think the issue with the game changes is that it's a bit shit. Um, it's it's very like CBBC drama series. At points, it's almost like an an episode of like a re- it's almost like a reconstruction in um, Crime Watch or something like that. It's it's definitely Can you imagine Crime Watch where like someone's driven a tank into a park and like run over thirty people, and at the <laughs> end of it, he um he changed he went he drove into a car wash and got his car color changed, and we lost him. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, and I don't think the I don't think the issue is that it didn't have the official seal of approval of Rockstar Games because I think, you know, when people sort of say like, oh, how could anyone like this because it doesn't have, I know there was like that David Bowie movie Stardust with Johnny Flynn playing David Bowie. It's just like this has not been authorized by the David Bowie estate, and they can't use any of the songs. And everyone was just like, oh, well, it's going to be shit then. And by all accounts, it was. But I don't think the issue is that it doesn't have the endorsement of the estate or it doesn't have the songs. I think it's better if, like, a biopic or a drama doesn't have the official, you know, the people involved saying, yeah, actually, I was a better person than depicted here. Or, you know, when it's got the fingerprints of them, like the very sort of sanitary biopic stuff. You don't have a scene um, where David Bowie looks out of a window and a dog covered with diamonds walks past and he goes, huh. <laughs> <laughs> is there life on mars i wonder <laughs> um so yeah there's a disclaimer at the start saying this is based on a true story some scenes and the order of some events have been altered for dramatic effect it has not been authorized by the producers of grand theft auto it is based on court documents and interviews with many of those involved so it sort of puts that at the front but to me that just sounds like okay that's fine but I think just the rest of the thing, it's it's so dry and dull and not very many likable people or characters. And I, I think you're right about the Jack Thompson stuff. The residual appreciation of Bill Paxton goes a long way. I don't think he gives a bad performance, but uh, it, it's, a, it's against type for him. I think he does it fine. I think the last time he played some real sort of like diehard christian was maybe frailty which was his uh, <laughs> is that when he sort of terrorizes, terrorizes people with an axe uh yeah and like sort of convinces his young children that they is need that... to like kill these people because they're demons it's that god guy again what has he got against us <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, a, a a lot of that goes a long way um i think it's just it's it's just not very dynamic and interesting there are a couple of moments where most notably there's um well shall we go into spoilers or yeah so i mean i'll just say quickly my thoughts just generally i agree with you i think there's an airlessness to it and it's weird that it's positioned as this sort of battle i mean you've been describing all the time and the synopsis describes it as a battle between uh daniel radcliffe's character sam is it samuel and Jack Thompson is portrayed as this battle of the titans when I really get a sense that, you know, they they just never interact, really. And they don't have to. I mean, there's obviously a history of films based on real events where they create scenes in which they have a, when characters who never would discuss have a discussion, blah, blah, blah. So they, they keep to that rule, apart from a scene, I'm sure, when they bump shoulders against each other at one point. But um, yeah, at the end of it, you really just feel like a bunch of stuff which has happened and and the ending people are left in places where like well did did one really affect the other or was it just a bunch of stuff which happened i really i don't <laughs> i'm not sure but anyway we're going to spoilers because I'm, I'm sure you want to talk about a scene which i thought a was definitely the best shot bit and b because i didn't know the history um I thought it was a dream sequence. <laughs> and then this next... I feel like I'm just waiting for... 
this cop murder to happen in a police station and then I'm, I'm just like whenever something really weird happens in a film like this you're like oh it's a dream sequence because he's been playing too many video games just waiting for him to wake up in his bed and be like oh my god i've been playing grand theft auto so much i'm dreaming about this shit if we just cut to like no the scene just ends and that actually happened I'm like oh mm. <laughs> yeah i mean the the film sort of kits off with they're riding higher on the success um, of GTA Vice City and it sold a million units in one day and buoyed by that, Sam starts pitching the San Andreas game and they want to sort of set it uh, kind of in the hood and on the streets um, because they're going to be, because they're outsiders and they're British, it's going to be like a commentary on American culture just like everything else they've done before. And he's got this like obsession about you know, creating a work of art which goes toe-to-toe with um, other uh, media. Yeah, I mean... You know, fans, so that people are... talk about games the way they talk about film and music, and that's his, like, overriding goal Yeah, everything. I mean, that is a, right, a rightful and righteous cause, which even today the gaming industry struggles with. So that's something to be applauded, for sure. Yeah, I think sort of coming off... Uh, we're recording this the day after the Game Awards, and... I've seen a lot of commentary saying just like it's not actually an award show and it's just like this desperate sort of groveling trying to like say oh Hollywood please like us and having movie stars present awards but then the actual people who win the awards don't get any time to give a speech. And is it Uh, also like half of it is adverts or, or announcements and so it's kind of like somebody getting on stage at the Oscars and revealing, hey, guess what? I'm writing this film or this this <laughs> sequel. I've been making, you know. I don't know. I just, you know, it's fine that there's trailers and hype for stuff because that gets people watching. But there needs to be balance. But anyway, um, the, the, the inciting incident, so to speak, uh, is what we've been talking about in its real case in which a uh, kid, Devon Moore, um, actually went into a police station and shot uh, three officers uh, in the process. And it's portrayed in this film of him obsessively playing GTA Vice City. And everything about this film is all about the... um, the debate regarding does video game violence cause real violence and that's the flashpoint issue which brings uh, gta to jack thompson's attention and the film then sort of charts the various difference of lawsuits and court cases presented to rockstar games um both in relation to this um uh murder incident uh, as well as sort of subsequent controversies surrounding GTA San Andreas. Mm. Yeah, and then I think that's, that's very well described, Rory, because there's a, an issue with this sort of film where there's just a lot of mini court cases and ebbs and flows of, of, who, of the balls and who's caught and who's doing well and who's doing not. But again, I just want to underline that shootout scene, which I thought was a dream sequence, because it's shot exactly like a video game and in a way which doesn't really bring attention to itself that it's just the the camera's placed just certainly above and behind um the shooter 
and he's very dispassionate when he does the, sh- the shooting and, and yeah it's it's like gosh if they ever made a grand theft auto film this is this is the way to shoot it in a way uh so yeah credit where credit's due there it's just the rest of the film and that's probably a, a monetary thing but it just doesn't have the visual pizzazz throughout there's like there's just fits and starts there's a bit when um a dutch gamer who discovers this um mini game called hoff coffee which is a a a mini game a sex mini game which was was proposed and then cut quote-unquote cut from the game if this dutch gamer finds it within the code uh, because he's also a modder slash hacker but um, I bring him up at this point because that's when they decide to have the camera spinning around his head, like this dork with glasses. And hey, I wear glasses, I'm a dork. But it was just like, it was just really funny. There's other bits which kind of maybe unintentionally make me giggle when I think actually when Daniel Radcliffe, one of my favourite shots was Daniel Radcliffe typing away on his laptop at night, uh, writing stuff about blowjobs, blowjobs and whipping brackets, <laughs> being whipped. And the text is kind of, glowing outside it's, it's one of those things i can't remember the name of it but it, like they when they put like the text on your screen so you're not looking at him typing on the screen it's actually usually one of my least favorite things when my if i could change anything about modern films and tvs that when people are messaging each other on their phone but it doesn't appear beside them sort of animated because usually i can't flip and read it because it's too small for my weak weak, weak old eyes and um yeah Maybe it just takes me out of the film a little bit. I'm just saying. But yeah, I I think the 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 whole sort of hot coffee set scene stuff, like uh, when he's typing away, um, he types, "I'd like to see colon full sets." Full sets is <laughs> such. It's one of my favourite ways. I just like <laughs> again. It makes me There's... giggle. Full sex. I mean, it's not quite virtual combat um, with. Uh, you know, full body cyber sets, but it's funny that it kind of links to our previous episode. But there's probably no bigger turn off than British video game nerds talking about sets. It's like when they're sort of talking about it later on, it's just it's. it's I'm sure that's an option on Pornhub. The equivalent though. of the coldest shower possible. <laughs> yeah, just scroll down the options of Pornhub. British people talking about sex. <laughs> oh, you're hot. Like a bourbon. What? <laughs> oh, you're so hot. You're like a steaming cup of bovril. Yeah. Do you want this? Want, want a bit of my rich tea biscuit? Mm. <laughs> yeah. um, though, though we, I guess we created the great British spit roast, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to uh, Toby Carvery and have a spit roast, please. <laughs> oh, God. Do you think this is going to get an explicit rating, this podcast? Yeah, adults only. I'm sure a lot of dogging takes place in Toby Carvery car parts later. <laughs> I mean, it's the best of both worlds, surely. <laughs> as soon as they open a drive through I'm there. <laughs> a Toby Carvery. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, the, the, the whole hot coffee thing. I, I do remember when this happened. Mm. I do remember it in the gaming press at the time that uh, it, it does become this issue for Sam because he does want to include it in there because he's talking about he wants to make uh, the main character in GTA San Andreas have these RPG-esque mechanics 
uh, not tied to a side quest or, or a mission specifically, but just so the player can emotionally identify with the character a bit more, which allows Daniel Radcliffe to talk about shitty goblins and in a kind of Harry Potter um, style. Oh, look at me. I'm bashing fantasy. Um, but He's so uh, Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> uh but yes, the issue is that um, when presented to the um, ESRB, which is the uh, ratings board, um, the issue is that if they were to include this in the game, then the game would then get an automatic adults only, which means that 80% of retailers wouldn't stock it, which is kind of like a death sentence commercially, much like the NC-17 certificate in the States versus an R-rated movie. So he... Uh, regrettably and sort of, you know, decides, okay, get rid of it. Uh, but the code remains, and that's how this Dutch uh, modder slash hacker uh, finds it, uh, puts it online, it goes viral, and then obviously uh, a lot of publicity and a storm manifests. We've been looking at how we can incorporate the sexual content you want in San Andreas without hurting sales. It's a question of how far we can push the creative envelope in this area and still get a mature rating. If we get an adults-only rating, about 80% of shops and distributors in the US, particularly Walmart, won't stock the game. I've always been clear about this. This stuff is not gratuitous. Right? It's done within context and it's been linked to the story. What's acceptable as sexual content is different in different countries. Now, I can send you a full list of the various do's and don'ts. It will depress you. Broadly, male nudity is acceptable as long as the penis is erect. No erect cocks. That's right. The US is the most censored country by miles. No penises, no vaginas, no nipples. So that scene you've got animated of Carl having sex with Denise, that'll get us an instant adults-only label here and need to remove it. Well, that's ridiculous. We don't all live in a virtual Utah. I know. Look, I wish we could include that stuff, but it's not feasible. What's wrong with this country? I can walk down the road and get an Uzi if I want to. They're sending kids off to kill people in Iraq, and heaven for fucking bid anyone sees a woman's nipple. It's America. The Jack Thompsons of this world won't have it. Well, I don't care what he thinks. I'm not going to bend to this. Sex is a perfectly acceptable thing to have in a piece of adult entertainment, and we are not pushing boundaries without it. Maybe we should just be an AO game. We're a game for adults. Like, fine, let's just be that. That would be retail suicide. So who cares? So we sell half of what we hoped, at least we get to make our game. I'm not having the content of my game dictated to me by a bunch of moronic shopkeepers. Don Simpson wouldn't sell for it, would he? And what would he do? He'd hire an aircraft carrier, fill it with prostitutes, take 15 different types of Class A drugs, and then, I think, he'd accept the power of the marketplace. Fine, take the scene out. Well, there's no time, the game's due. Happy? There's, there's a scene where... The legal firm called Blank Rome, who represented mm. Rockstar in an earlier in like the initial case against which Jack Thompson brings up to try and get at Rockstar. But there's a scene later on where uh, Sam is sort of banking on them being on his side again, but they're getting him to describe in sort of excruciating detail just how this this scene this minigame could have got into the game 
they're sort of pulling the threads and i found that a really good mm. uncomfortable scene when he's like saying you know they shouldn't have been able to get hold of it it was not you know but you didn't cut it well they shouldn't be able to get hold of it and then the lawyers say but also isn't it true that you encourage almost people modding and hacking your game so why without you know with all your millions you've made on grand theft auto games did you not remove the game and yeah i think that was one of the few sort of scenes which deal with like interesting questions and and shades of gray and um yeah i felt i, I felt sympathy for this character who is kind of a victim of his own sort of ego and being top shit and yeah i like that i like that bit a lot I think the the debate it's it's hard because this film is definitely like a kind of both sides uh, about the matter because it can't really come down necessarily on one thing or the other. I think it 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 portrays Jack as someone who is I think he sort of uh, says he feels compelled to. I think it's what's required of him, like it's his mission in life to. Um, Basically, he sort of sees these video games as normalizing violence, um, and um, he sort of uh, decides to um, bring in all these witnesses, and he goes to the university to see brain activity um, of kids being subjected to violent imagery. Uh, but it's funny; the violent imagery is all like stock images of like taxi driver Scarface. Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. It's it's it's. I don't I don't know whether it counts as, but it's not quite like Blanker in Street Fighter looking at um, <laughs> <laughs> whatever he's looking at, like war footage and stuff. Um, his case his case falls apart because he gets what he believes is scientific evidence that violent imagery, violent entertainment affects people, but he takes it to court. But they say, well. You know, that none of your scientists have actually talked to the plaintiff, the the shooter um, of the cops. So I'm throwing this case out. Yeah, and I, I think uh, I guess the parallel that they're trying to make as well is that Jack is a, a victim of his his own ego too, because he does uh, he don't he violates various ethical codes by. Uh, going to the press a lot, appearing on TV, talking about the case before it's even been presented. He sends an email to the CEO of Take Two, um, and and so on and so forth. So he does all this stuff, which uh, does not help his case, despite the fact that he feels like he's got a, a kind of god-given duty in order to stop these games getting into the hands of kids. He he literally does think he's on a mission from God, and there's a scene when he's at his low ebb because all all his all his activities eventually gets him disbarred um, from mm. practicing law. And but there's a scene when he's on the golf course, literally speaking to God, saying, "You know what? You know what? What should I do? You know why am I being challenged? Why is it so hard? Why why do I hate people so much?" And I was actually midway through typing my note saying, he's just holding up the golf course line, imagining doing this at a crazy golf or something. And then someone literally did say, hey, fella, move along, please. So, <laughs> you know, there's some, there, are some, there are some great little touches. When discussing how the sex scene in Grand Theft Auto would increase its age rating, 
it's just great to hear Daniel Radcliffe say, um, heaven for fucking bid someone sees a female nipple. This <laughs> uh, is like, likes little, little bits than that. And, um, anyway, this is like, this is not really a funny line, but it's like a low key sort of description that a lot of these like Mary Whitehouse types have when objective, je- well, not objectifying, objecting to content. There's a scene when um, Jack Thompson's wife returns home and he's playing Grand Theft Auto and turns and says to her, I just wanted to see what I was objecting to (laughs) Um, (laughs) after playing the game for hours. So he does get a bit addicted to it. Oh, and, you know, maybe unintentionally funny or intentionally funny, but when they're creating the hot coffee sex mini game i love the wireframe hot coffee graphics just to see a wireframe a pink but you know we have to gender them of course so there's a pink wireframe character its head going up and down at the crutch of a blue wireframe character you know little giggles here and there (laughs) (laughs) but again the key problem is like there's not much as i say i don't care about characters not having on-screen interactions you can make it personal by just having i mean one of my favorite examples is the film the fifth element um where you no one actually realizes that the main villain never ever encounters the main hero and i don't even think they're aware of each other but it feels like a battle between them somehow but here it's just i mean just just talking about the final act i mean how how things play out there's a lot of back and forth blah 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 there's phone calls where someone learns the results of of a court case like oh you it's been thrown out or oh they've told you that you were wrong to include the sex scene in the game even if like people shouldn't be able to access it so there's all this stuff happening and then there's like a a section at the end where um we're going to kind of get both jack in, as his disparring sort of tribunal or whatever it's called i'm sorry law fans i don't know the language <laughs> um so he's getting his tr- concerning trial about how his his ill practice in law and at the same time daniel radcliffe's character sam is in a nine hour discussion who is he with is it with the asrb and uh, no that's with the fdc the federal trade commission right because he's been sort of um having to sort of testify uh on the basis that he by releasing this game which contained this content he's potentially committing fraud because he was mis-selling mm. the, the the product effectively and potentially duping the asrb saying that the content uh you know did not exist yeah so they're both having their kind of most important moments of their lives at that point mostly off screen and then they leave jack is disbarred and he's feeling a bit sorry for himself he plays a lot of golf when he's sorry for himself sam just kind of seems a bit deflated by it but he crucially they get a slap on the on the, he gets a slap on the wrist. The rating system gets adjusted, but Rockstar, which which could have lost millions, and it kind of has lost millions by recalling all, but they could have 
got an actual fine or, or anything for it. He just seems a bit deflated. And then almost like the, I think the final scene is Daniel Radcliffe's, not Daniel Radcliffe's friend, Sam's friend, Jamie, who, as you said, was the fixer, having basically had a sulk for a few days and he's going to quit Rockstar because it's not fun anymore. And then Daniel Radcliffe leaves the building and I'm assuming because this is based in real life, this is what actually happened. He turns into a video game character. The whole street turns into a GTA-style city and he drives away into a virtual sunset. And, you know, I suppose that's why we decided to make the documentary because did you see what happened? (laughs) Um, So it just seems like... This is why I was saying at the start, it feels like a bunch of stuff has just happened. It feels like after the initial... After the initial attempt for Jack Thompson to jacuzzi Grand Theft Auto for being the figurehead of video game violence and and causing actual cop deaths, the rest of the film, they're not really... They're not really in competition. It's all in their head. And that can be, of course, an extremely powerful thing. I mean, everyone seemed to love Oppenheimer. Um, I'm not going to spoil Oppenheimer about you know yes harry world war ii did happen we had we've had this discussion before um but you know it's it's much more about the headspace of the characters than what they actually do and so you can absolutely get to the heads of the characters but i just i just don't think we did and that's the problem of this of this i'm afraid i i'm kind of i did find myself drawn in because of the actors and because of the subject matter is you know it is nice to see a serious-minded, a seriously, a serious-intended ninety-minute uh, piece about video game history. It certainly takes it perhaps a bit more seriously than the Tetris movie we did earlier in the year. Um, but there's just something. There's some some of the drama, some of the the, the meat is is missing. Perhaps. I just don't believe he would have killed those men if he hadn't spent hours a day practicing doing exactly the same thing in that cop killer game. You don't know it was the game made him act that way. But it was the game. He is still guilty of murder. Yes, he is. And nothing will change that. Come on, you're a lawyer. I think the people that make these games are partly responsible. I mean, think about it. They're drenching our children in depravity and violence, training our kids to be killers and making money out of it. They, they make an entertainment that normalizes horrendous violence. Makes me sick. You're going to fight them. You don't think I should? I feel compelled to. We're raising a generation of kids steeped in sex and violence and no one's doing anything about it. This is what's required of me. And I don't know how much it really reflects actual video game development. I'd be interested to know just like either from a developer or, you know, even just sort of someone who worked on those on those games. Is is that how it was? I understand there's certain like workplace culture and the fact that they Everything gets, seems to be settled via ping pong, and Rockstar did make a table tennis game, and that's referenced in this film. Um, there's talk of of crunch. Mm. Uh, there's talk of like staff shortage, um, people being sort of moved and pulled off projects. So some of that is, I suppose, pertinent, and you know, 
it is a bit skimmed over. Yeah, and maybe I, I because that, that was this was made in 2015, and the conversation around crunch has got even more severe. Later yeah, on. and particularly like this year has been sort of horrible for layoffs in the video game industry and and projects being canned and people losing their jobs. Uh, so you know there'll, there'll be more of these stories. I'm I'm sure to tell. But I agree. Um, as as kind of juicy as maybe the whole hot coffee controversy you know, was um, and potentially has merit for a, a story to be told. Um, I, I think the film, it, it, it rotates around that too much, whereas I, I guess, you know, because it didn't want to come down one side about sort of violence in video games, if you do sort of go around the whole sort of Devon Moore case and that becomes, you know, like its own... You know, there's a lot of potential for, um, you know, unsavory and and tricky content. I know we talked about Gran Turismo earlier this year, again, based on a true story and and how, you know, that involved uh, the death of a spectator um, and how the film then decided to sort of shape events around it in a way that sort of aided the story uh, rather than, you know, in any way... Uh, uh, depicting reality and you know that's going to be part of the course um but yeah it, it does leave the rest of the film feeling like it's looking for an issue to address and just not really landing its targets it's hard when it's you, you're trying to make something kind of balanced because then you just sort of make something which is you know as interesting as a very neutral beige thing. <laughs> it's amazing how we're so much on the same page about something we've separately imagined watching, but, um, <laughs> but I did like the bit where there, you know, there is, uh, there is a small victory for Jack in the sense that Hillary Clinton introduces the family entertainment protection act, which will prohibit the sale of violent and sexually explicit video games to minors. And um, Jack's wife mentions that Governor Schwarzenegger has also banned the sale of violent video games to minors in California. And it's like, Bill Paxton, Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> they've been in movies together. I didn't clock that. I always, the thing is, I associate Schwarzenegger so much with being a politician, but I forgot that once he did movies. <laughs> <laughs> did you know he used to be a bodybuilder? What? What? <laughs> I guess that explains a lot. Now I've seen you know, all those pictures of him in his underpants. Um, Not all politicians are jacked. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Jacked Thompson was his full name. If he actually took off uh-huh. his shirt once in a while, says so like these pecs are from <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap things up? It just—I think it just leaves everything in an odd place. There is that. Uh, you know where are they now or whatever at the end where it does talk about how uh gta 4 was released in 2008 and made 310 million on its first day and then as we mentioned gta 5 released in 2013 and made a billion in three days it mentions that devon moore remains on death row which is still the case i believe and there is still no conclusive evidence that video games make people violent the debate continues Mm. Um, which I don't know if that tees up a sequel, but uh, maybe we'll see something for the release of GTA 6. 
Um, I just think it just it leaves everyone in a bit of a weird place. And 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 when Sam does visit Jamie's apartment, you know, Jamie says that he's thinking of leaving because of all the endless lunchtime and being on planes all the time. And Sam confesses that he was also thinking of leaving, but Jamie's like, no, you're a genius. The next game will be the best one yet. And it's very much just like, no, the world needs you, Sam. Like, you're a terrible human being and you've been horrible to me, but, you know, I'm nobody, but uh, you're a genius. It sort of feels a little bit like um, in Dark Place, where <laughs> uh, Rick Douglas visits the priest. Um, played by Julian Barrett, and it's just like, uh, you know, the most sensitive man I know, and I know God. <laughs> Such a God-heavy episode, but I guess that's Jack's, Jack rubbing off on us a bit. Um, yeah, I felt just like an odd scene to end, because I had no idea that character was so significant to Daniel Radcliffe's character. He just, he just seemed to be one of the many people Sam would shout at saying, I want a new game engine, put sex in my game. He didn't actually yeah. do any of the programming. So at least yeah, he at throws least... like a pencil holder at him at one point. And I, I like that there was that tension there because they're sort of joshing and it becomes a bit too physical. And then the last thing Sam does is like throw something at him and he just gives this kind of like demented grin afterwards, which um I don't know. It suggests this sort of instability which the film like then touches on you know you see him swearing and looking a bit haunted but i felt like that you know there could have been more to it there was just no meat i guess the last thing i want to say is you know this this imaginary version of the film that we watched um also had subtitles from some other country i'm sorry indonesia indonesian subtitles so when this action cut cuts to um our dutch video game nerd and he starts speaking in what whatever the fuck dutch people speak (laughs) sorry i'm having a bit of a mind fart i basically couldn't they the sub there were two sets of subtitles the indonesian over his subtitles and i only really got what was happening when he started saying shek sheen (laughs) (laughs) Because it's just you just going blah 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 shek sheen. It's like oh, this is hot coffee, isn't it? I know where we're going. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, bless. So I would say, you know, if you if you care to seek it out in your own imagination, it's it's not. I think his heart is in the right place. It just doesn't pull it off. Sadly, I feel that you could actually make the same subject again and make it more of a battle of the titans but for whatever reason it's it's just it's just fine which is a shame yeah i mean i i i wish it was more available just for posterity yeah if it was um, on the iplayer i would absolutely i would have watched it a long time ago i did watch it when it first came out um and i i didn't really like it then <laughs> and um you know i don't think i I think I still don't. So um, I don't think it's necessarily worth jumping through, you know, the hoops that one might need to, to imagine it existing. Um, it wasn't a chore. I will say that. And sometimes watching these films are a chore. I don't know. I, this, this felt like I was eating a uh, gruel. <laughs> and you know who invented gruel? God. God. <laughs> <laughs> that guy again. <laughs> it's like can i add some flavoring to this or like any other food all right then i'm not your boss 
<laughs> We've really got it in for John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this episode. Yeah. It's about time. If he's listening, sorry. <laughs> if he's a subscriber. Um, yeah. But also, I love Christmas. I love Christmas. Yeah. The best holiday. <laughs> uh, great. Well, uh, in the meantime, if you if you be God or just a regular listener of the podcast wants to keep in touch, how can you keep in touch with games and film? Uh, all episodes of the podcast are available wherever you get your podcasts, be it uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever. So please do like, rate, review, share and subscribe. Our website is gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. We're on the various social medias at gamesonfilmpod. So please do follow us there. Uh, you can email us gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com I'm on Twitter at Rory Steele I'm at only man who can and uh, once again we are doing a live event at One Up Cafe in Brighton on 16th of December screening Scott Pilgrim vs the World with live podcast recording following the film plus Pac-Man tournament prizes food, drinks, festive fun uh, so please do join us there. Tickets available from oneupcafe.co.uk slash events. Uh, so please do join us on Saturday 16th of December. Well, until next time, I've been Harry. I have been Rory. God bless you all. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Bye. Bye.